Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Ferguson, Missouri. In this latest offering, Pastor Chandler reflects upon an encounter found in the book of Acts, where Paul and Silas, while preaching and teaching, encounter a slave girl known to possess the ability of fortune-telling. Paul frees her from her affliction, but we soon see such an act has potentially dire consequences for everyone involved. This week, Pastor Patrick's sermon has two possible titles. The first, Why Following Jesus Isn't a Good Investment, or the second, What Happens When Jesus is Let Loose, based in Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 34. To learn more about St. Peter's, you may find us on the web at www.stpeterschurch.org or on Facebook by searching St. Peter's UCC Ferguson. Our reading comes from book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 16 through 34, in the New Testament. If you'd like to follow along, it's on page 136. One day, as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune-telling. While she followed Paul and us, she would cry out, These men are slaves of the Most High God, who proclaim to you a way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days. But Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. When they had brought them before the magistrates, they said, These men are disturbing our city. They are Jews and are advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself since he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer called for lights, and rushing in, he fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. 
At the same hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds. Then he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up into the house and set food before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer of God. This morning we explore the idea of why following Jesus isn't a good investment. If you don't like that theme or that title, I did come up with another one. What happens when Jesus gets loose? I want to invite you to join me in a moment of prayer. Most holy and sacred one, we come before you this day, each one of us enslaved or imprisoned to something. We pray, O oh God, by the power of your grace and by the love of your Holy Spirit, that we shall be set free. That we shall allow your presence to be let loose within us, but also to set us loose from that which holds us back. O oh God, as we reflect upon this testimony from the book of Acts, Open our hearts and our ears and our spirits and our minds to be receptive. And God, in this very moment, may the words of my lips and the meditations found within the hearts and the minds and the spirits of those gathered here today be pleasing, be acceptable, be faithful to you. For it is in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. There have been plenty of times in the past, I must confess, when I have had absolutely no desire zero desire whatsoever to get up and come to church on Sunday mornings. There are times when I would just say to myself and kind of figure, shrug my shoulders and figure, what's the point? Now those feelings have both occurred as I was once sitting in the pews as you do each week, but also actually that feeling came upon, has come upon me as one who was standing behind the pulpit. Now it's possible that you yourself have found, your, have found yourself in similar seasons within your own life. It's possible that you are even in one of those seasons right now when simply getting up on a Sunday morning is a chore. When getting up and getting dressed and getting in the car and showing up doesn't matter if you're on time or not. Just showing up feels next to impossible. Now, I'm glad that I don't find myself in such a place now. In fact, it's been several years since I have felt or thought such a thing in my own journey. Nowadays, I actually find myself excited about Sunday mornings. I find myself actually excited and even curious to be here with you each Sunday because I am excited and curious to see, to hear, to watch, to discover what new thing God is going to do among us today. And I believe, especially over the last year and a half, maybe even two years, there have been numerous joyful surprises in the way in which God has chosen to do a new thing through you and in you and for you and as a church for each of us. And y'all, that's really not a bad place to be. Coming here, showing up, wondering, expecting even for God to do something new and different. I like sitting back and watching the ways in which God and in the ways in which Jesus go to work in the lives of God's people. 
But of course there are those who don't like that. They don't like it one bit. They don't like it when Jesus starts meddling in their day-to-day lives. They prefer their Jesus to be confined to a Sunday, specifically and preferably a Sunday morning, and even more specifically and preferably sometime somewhere between the hours of 9 a.m. 12 p.m., not after 12, please, thank you very much. They like to keep Jesus at arm's length. Keep Jesus out of their day-to-day, whether it's their work decisions or decisions about their home life or decisions about how they are to treat other people. I often hear people say, those people who like to keep Jesus at arm's length, they like to say, well, Jesus didn't have to run a company like I do. (laughs) I like it when there's a visceral reaction. Jesus wasn't responsible for lives and for the lives of other people and their well-being like I am. Jesus never had so many counting people counting on him like they count on me each day. Jesus didn't have to deal with the kind of people I had to deal with. If he did, he never would have said, love your neighbor. If Jesus had my neighbor, well then, he would have come up with something else to say. Have you ever met Jesus? Do you know that that's exactly what he had to deal with? Those are exactly the kind of people he had to deal with? People like you, sir. People like you, ma'am. It's all just a distraction, though. It's all just a means to keep Jesus at a distance from the mundane, nitty-gritty, every little detail of one's life. Jesus never had to worry about taking care of aging or sick parents or to try to figure out how to send kids to college. Now, for some, Jesus is just fine for Sundays, but not so much the rest of the week. So we try to contain Jesus. We try to keep Jesus in His place. Or even better, we try to keep Jesus in the place or places we only want Him to be. Now the problem with that, there are several problems with that, but the number one problem with that kind of thinking is that you literally, truly cannot confine Jesus. The religious authorities of Jesus' day, they tried to do that very thing. They tried to confine Jesus, they tried to put Jesus in his place. And that didn't work, so what did they do next? They conspired with the governor and the emperor. They cozied up to the politicians, hoping then to contain him. And that didn't work either. Because when they tried to literally contain him inside a tomb, he broke out. Now in hindsight, they probably would have been better off leaving well enough alone. Because once Jesus broke out on Easter, there was no stopping him going forward. I think that's why some people actually try to keep Jesus in a certain place. You may think it's because of a lack of faith or understanding that they do that. But actually those who try to contain Jesus, those who try to keep Jesus cordoned off from the rest of the world or the rest of their lives beyond just those few hours on Sunday mornings, they actually have great faith and great knowledge and great understanding. Because you see, they know, they know exactly what Jesus is capable of if he is ever set loose. 
They know. That's why they're afraid. That's why they try to keep them cordoned off, out of sight, out of mind. They know exactly how Jesus likes to meddle and disrupt people's lives. They know that if Jesus gets loose in their week, all kinds of unexpected things are going to happen. They know that if Jesus gets loose in their week, everything is going to get turned upside down by God. And by God, we cannot have that. If Jesus gets loose in my week, it creates a whole lot of gonna have to circumstances. If you don't know what gonna have to is, gonna have to is a southern thing like grits and sweet tea. <laughs> gonna have to is one of those creative little licenses that we in the south like to play with the English language and proper grammar. It's like fixing to. Fixing to. I'm fixing to do something. I didn't know it was broken. No, I'm fixing to go to the store. Gonna have to is like y'all and y'alls. Y'alls actually being the only word that has two apostrophes in it, by the way. Y apostrophe, A-L-L apostrophe S. We're going to y'all's house after lunch. You can't say you're going to have to. That's just wrong and it sounds silly. So you have to say gonna have to. For example... If Jesus gets loose in my week, I'm going to have to redefine what's important. If Jesus gets loose in my week, I'm going to have to expect the unexpected. If Jesus gets loose in my week, I'm going to have to allow myself to be set free. If Jesus gets loose in my week, I'm going to have to allow or perhaps even initiate the freedom of release of someone else. If Jesus gets loose in my week, I may actually lose something. I might lose social status because no one wants to let Jesus loose at a dinner party they're hosting. I might lose power and influence and control because nobody wants to let Jesus loose down at City Hall. I might even lose money or I might even lose my job because the workplace, the workplace is no place to let Jesus loose. The story of Paul and Silas in jail, the earthquake so powerful that the doors to the prison were flung open, the chains were unfastened, a frightened jailer. It's one of the more familiar stories centered around the Apostle Paul. Perhaps it is included in the book of Acts as a testimony to the power of Jesus, the one who himself once proclaimed that he had come to set captives free. The power of Jesus. And salvation comes to the home of the jailer. Now it should be noted that when the jailer thought the prisoners had escaped, his first thought was to take his own life, for certainly such incompetence on his part would lead to the jailer losing his job at best. Perhaps he could also lose his own freedom, maybe even his own life, by letting a prisoner of the state go free. The jailer himself was a prisoner, a prisoner of a brutal government, and any failure on his part would be met with harsh consequences. But strange things happen when the power of Jesus is let loose, when the power of Jesus is no longer confined. 
But for as familiar as the story of Paul and Silas's jailbreak might be, how many actually before this morning, before hearing Barb read it, how many actually remember what led them to being arrested in the first place? Now some may say that Paul and Silas were thrown into jail for disturbing the peace with their preaching and teaching on the salvation of Jesus. But you see, that's just a cover. That's just an excuse. That was just the setup. Now some might say, some might say, we've heard and seen that before. Different reasons given why people go to jail. But they were thrown in jail because of a slave girl. A nameless slave girl. In his reflections on this text, Yale professor Dr. Willie Jennings reminds us that these two realities, her being a slave, but also her having no name, they go together. Because as he says, in the ancient world, to be a slave was to be only a commodity, only a body in use and a site of penetration. Jennings goes on to say that it's no accident that this young slave girl is drawn to these disciples of Jesus because the enslaved ones are often drawn to the religious, to the religious people, either as an echoing sign of their own enslavement or as a hopeful possibility of their emancipation. She's a slave and Paul and Silas are also slaves. Slaves to God through Jesus Christ. She is bound and shackled as a slave. And because of their encounter with her, Paul and Silas will soon be bound and shackled themselves. And then there is the confined Jesus just begging to be let loose and set free. The girl was a fortune teller. She was a money maker for her owners. She was a cash cow, if you will. She had been following Paul around, proclaiming that he and Silas were slaves to God and that they were preaching salvation. She had annoyed Paul to no end, which makes her a hero to me. Anybody who can annoy the Apostle Paul is a friend of mine. But if he ignored her, if he had ignored her, as he had been doing up to that point, then they probably never would have been thrown in jail. But if they'd never been thrown in jail, the jailer never would have known freedom. Oh, how often the cries of those bound and enslaved and tormented get under the skin of us good and pious and faithful folk. They keep knocking on our door asking for food or seeking shelter from the cold or the heat or the rain or the snow. And they keep asking and asking and asking until it just wears us down and we try to ignore it all. Because we have things to do, we have work to be done, we have sermons to write and hospitals to visit, we have errands to run. But they annoy us all so much that in our frustration, we finally give in and do what we can. And when we do, sometimes it can get us into trouble. Why? Because when Jesus is let loose, trouble will often follow. 
This is why following Jesus is not always a good investment. Because sometimes the return isn't what you expect. Sometimes the return isn't what you want. Paul and Silas, they were not thrown in jail for preaching and teaching Jesus. They were thrown in jail because Jesus was let loose and disrupted the economy. Letting Jesus loose that day hit some folk where it counted the most in their wallet. Paul cut off the cash cow. The slave girl was free of her demon. Therefore, she did not predict any more fortunes. But it also put her at a greater risk. Like the jailer, she no longer served a purpose to her owners. And we are left wondering what happened to her. It's very possible that her healing cost her her life. Perhaps we are left reconsidering knowing that our own attempts to let Jesus loose, wondering if we do so, does it create more problems than it solves? By letting Jesus loose, are we opening up a Pandora's box that we then no longer have any control of? I'm not so sure that's an answer that we are meant to seek. Jesus will go where Jesus wants to go. Jesus will go where Jesus needs to go. But I think that's why some people ask themselves, what's the point? I think that's why some people like to keep their Jesus separate from the rest of their lives because Jesus can sometimes bring about unintended consequences in our lives. What about you? I'm wondering where you prefer to keep your Jesus. Do you prefer to keep him contained? Or are you willing to let him loose and then face the going to have to doing so creates? Are you willing to risk your freedom? Are you willing to risk your security? Are you willing to let Jesus loose so that others might be free even if their freedom costs you yours? We're Easter people. We're Easter people. We know all too well what happens when people try to confine Jesus. We know that story. We know how that story ends. And because we do, this, I believe, is why we are here. We are here, I think, because perhaps... We are just hoping, each one of us, in our own way and in our own time, each one of us are just hoping that someone will let Jesus loose in our lives. And in doing so, then we realize the point of it all.